Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We're your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The excitement is palpable, as is my dinner, apparently, that keeps wanting to revisit me. <laughs> Top secret. Yes. I think we have it on some type of recording, so <laughs> we're going to be looking for it. But uh, we, we have a fun one for you here today. We're going to do things just a little bit different. Uh, a few episodes ago, I personally started talking a little bit about the What If television show, and we never really finished talking about that, got through the first five episodes. want to go over the very end of the series just a little bit, but since it's not exactly a current thing anymore, we're just going to talk about it a smidge, and then we're going to slide into the actual meat of the episode. Brand new movie. Just hit HBO Max. Was it in theaters too? It was in theaters, and actually, it's been in international theaters for quite some time. Oh, well, we are talking about a fantastic film, or at least a film that I felt was pretty solid. Uh, we've had one before. We're talking about Dune, based on a book. There's been another movie, there's been TV shows. We're going to talk about what we think about this particular version, this two and a half hour particular version. <laughs> I'm okay with it. We'll get into that a little bit. So Yeah. We're going to start easy. Um, Like I said, just just kind of a synopsis. Uh, We went through the first five episodes of what was what if, and those first five were what if uh, Captain Carter were Captain America instead, and what if T'Challa became Star-Lord, what if the Avengers died, what if Doctor Strange went all woogly-moogly evil, uh, sort of, uh, and uh, what if zombies, you know. They tried to finish the season strong. They did a what if episode. Uh, if Killmonger had rescued Tony Stark, that was pretty solid. All in all, I enjoyed that one. Uh, voice acting, fantastic as they have had so far. Animation still bothers me. Storyline, solid, but a little, little couple problems here and there. Uh, but nothing to, to really be too upset about. Um, what if Thor were an only child coming in the next one? Another good one. Did you like the Killmonger one? Killmonger one was fine. Um, the next one, the, the Thor one was okay. I, I didn't dislike it, but it wasn't, didn't draw me in. You know, um, I, I feel if I remember right, I actually fell asleep watching that one. So that was probably not all of the episodes as a whole were fine. Yeah. That was probably one of the weaker ones. I feel like. And the funny thing is I actually liked that one a little bit more because they, with the exception of the first, uh, they went dark in pretty much all of the episodes. What if everything went wrong should be basically what they're all called. And this one is just, well, what if Thor wanted to throw a party? And it was a nice change of pace. I think I understand why you didn't like it, because in terms of actual content uh, that fit the the tone and scope of MCU, it really wasn't. It's more like an 80s film, uh, a short 80s film. With a lot of cameos. Yeah. Right, so, But it's a lot, a lot of fun, just silly. And then they ended with a two-parter of what if Ultron won. And um, I know you had some issues with some continuity in terms of how things were presented, such as the Infinity Stones. Yeah, uh, the story itself was okay. Um, A lot of people were a little upset about how quickly Ultron killed uh, Thanos, which visually and just in terms of flow, I thought was actually kind of cool. In terms of should it or would it happen? No, there is no realistic way that that should have ever occurred. So truthfully, it's 
it really shouldn't happen with the power that the gauntlet has. Part of the, the, the power of the gems isn't just what they're capable of. It's about the sensory input that it gives you. Now, admittedly, because the mind, it was the mind stone that uh, Ultron would have had in that. He's not going to be able to read any minds with it, but he did have the time stone and the reality stone. And he would have immediately known what was happening, you know, even if he didn't have, say, massive starships that had, I don't know, sensors <laughs> to see that everything was wrong on Earth from the last time he looked. Something was weird. So that was, that was a little bit of a problem. But in terms of that, I was able to mostly get by that. I'll, I'll, I was just going, okay, chalk it up to Ryder's initiative and trying to come up with something as a way to make this guy, you know, the big bad guy, and he gets all the gems, and okay. And so he sets about to destroying the universe as a whole, not just Earth. All right, that part was good. And it had some good visuals and, you know, a lot of stuff in there, but... Then, all of a sudden, he is able to recognize that the Watcher is there. All right, yeah, you should have that power level with the Infinity Gauntlet. And then he takes, takes the fight to the other multiverse locations through the Watcher's realm. And no! Uh, that was a little loud, but that was, that was how my brain went. Uh, anybody that reads the comics and knows the history of the stones, knows this is not how they work. And the explanation that was given about, oh, he took a piece of his reality with him so that, or he made himself part of the, no, that is uh, what they call a BS answer. Uh, Movie magic. <laughs> it just does not work. Even in so recent as the secret, uh, the secret war um, storyline uh, where the Beyonders were, defeated by basically Dr. Doom and he got uh, a great deal of power. Part of the storyline was that Dr. Strange got the gems together so that once he had some allies, somebody could have the Infinity Gauntlet and challenge him. But he had to get the stones from the reality pieces that they were in. Period. Otherwise, it would not have worked. And they have mentioned that many times, many times. Now, if the MCU was its own thing, which up until this point it was, it wouldn't be a big deal. But as soon as they make it the multiverse and they reference the other stuff that's in there and actually make that link that it's all connected, even the comics, which is basically what they've done. When you do that, when you have to follow the rules that you make. You don't get to change your mind. Already, pre already presented once in the Loki series. Right. When they open the drawer and there's all those infinity stones in there that were just like, Nothing, right? So they just didn't have the same power because they're not in the same set of reality or same timeline. Yeah, I, I was almost tempted to just get out the, the comics that referenced this and then through the video camera just, okay, see this page? This is where it says this is how they work. But, you know, that would have been uh, maybe too far along the, the, the dork scale. <laughs> and we've already talked about how They've taken Disney has taken liberties with the comics to present something as is with their own interpretation of things and so on and so forth. And I'm sure this falls into that category too, except for how they've already presented everything in previous right. iterations of shows. Little inconsistent. Now, with that being said, the actual storyline and the gathering of the heroes from the 
multiple multiverses with the exception of Gamora being a little out of place just because they didn't actually show the episode that was her reality. Uh, I, I thought I was missing something. Like I fell asleep in an episode and missed the last 10 minutes or something. I, I, I was confused a little bit as well. Yeah, it was it was a little weird. Uh, but I mean, the, the actual story itself and the way that they brought the series to a close, that part was fine. I mean, really, my only issues were with the way that the reality was set up to, to be working. And in, in a lot of people think this is nitpicking. And in a way, it is. But the problem is when you have this expansive fantasy realm, that, that it, they're creating and they're continued, continuing to play in, the more little inconsistencies that you get like that, the more likely everything is eventually going to create this just super obvious mistake that even the uninitiated are going to go, no, that's, that's wrong. I remember watching this other movie and that's not the way that's supposed to work because you're just going to have more and more of those that will just snowball. Um, We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens too because there's obviously more shows, more movies very, very soon. Three in the next couple months. Right. We'll see if there is an extension of what they've just presented or... Clarification of some clear, kind. Yeah, like exactly what's going to fall into place. They're, they're not outside the realm. I mean, they could. This is still in the easily fixable side of things. But, uh, well, let's move on to a, a non-comic book, uh, <laughs> non-comic book property. Uh, and this is actually based on a novel. Uh, Dune's been around for a very long time. Uh, normally we like to break things down into multiple categories, give them all scores and everything. Uh, because we're kind of combining things together, we're not going to do that with Dune. We're going to talk about the things that we think are interesting and just kind of give a lump sum total of what we think the the score to the film is at the end but uh we both watched the original dune many many decades ago uh no if you look on our website which is everybodylovespudding.com you'll see there is a score up there uh i i have done a review on ken's movie review (gasps) yes if with anticipation of watching this version coming out now you're right. The original is from the '80s, and we're talking we're talking about how movies were presented in the '80s when we look at that movie for sure, because there was a lot of practical effects. Oh yeah. And then what you could present in terms of special effects, where this one is just a truckload of special effects. You know, very expensive, costly special effects with some pretty good practical effects kind of sprinkled in there. A little bit. So it's just a whole different world. Now, what were your thoughts? Because I don't think either of a I've read a book. You're funny. Uh, have you ever read the book? Um, no. No. This is one of those. I have this massive list of books that I've always intended to read and never quite got to. And this is on that list. Yeah. So I can I can say that all my knowledge on these movies you know is just what's presented in my face so i don't know the books i don't know the details of the books i don't know what we're missing when we see these movies like what details did they leave out i just know that 
on the first one and reading some of the notes in the first one, the director's original cut was much, much more substantial than what was actually presented in the theaters. And it, it was just the other one was way too long. Well, you, I think there's just a lot of details that were left out of the one from the movie from the 80s. And I think what we're going to get now from the current version is a lot of those details that were left out. And we're going to get a little bit more of a complete picture. Yeah, the original film, I remember, had an excellent cast. And we're both big fans of Kyle MacLachlan. Uh, he's, he was would be very hard to replace in, in a role like that, kind of iconic in a certain way. So I was really curious to see what Chalamet would do. Um, but he is not the only one in the, in the original film that kind of had a big, uh, a big presence in a way. I mean, uh, Brad Dourif was in it as well. Uh, with some excellent hair, (laughs) that character had excellent hair in the eighties movie and then no hair in this one. So a little different, a little different. And, uh, for those, uh, listeners who are not entirely familiar with who that is, he, he played worm tongue in the Lord of the Rings uh, films. So that, to give you kind of a... Also, the voice of Chucky. That's right. I mean, dude's, uh, dude's a legend. Rest in peace. Uh, yeah, and even Patrick Stewart and Sting were in the original. So some big names to try and live up to. And and, and one of my favorite characters... Well, there, actually, in the original movie, there's a lot of characters that were portrayed r- very well. Everett McGill played Stilgar, and he was great... Yeah. Um, Patrick Stewart was Gurney Halleck, and he was awesome. And one of the things that we saw in that first one is that you didn't see in the second one is what happened to him. Right. And I guess I'm not spoiling anything if you've seen... Well, we, we always talk about, hey, there's going to be spoilers. Yeah, there's definitely going to be spoilers in this. So in the first one, one of the best scenes is the movies progressed beyond where the 2021 movie was. And it's the reunion between those two characters. Cause you, you thought Gurney was gone and he reappeared and it was just like, it was, I can't believe you. I can't believe it. Like they didn't know either one was still alive. And it was just a really big, because they had such a good relationship, which was actually played out in a different tone in this movie. But you'll, I, I'm, looking forward to that scene and how it's presented in future segments, which kind of leads us to an interesting point, right? Mm-hmm. When we watch this movie and the title comes up, we talked about this a little bit. <laughs> the title pops up. The very first thing was the title and part one, like, but, but it was a second on the screen. Yeah. And normally they'll fade in. Here's the title, all these things. Dune part one gone. And I'm wondering if it was just like, did people overlook that? Was it intended to be so quick? Like, why did they just flash it on the screen and it was gone? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit weird. But, you know, I was talking about it's hard to hard to fill the shoes of uh, the big names that they had in the original mm-hmm. film. But they, they did it. I mean, if, if you're going to get a smorgasbord of, of actors and actresses to just it's like these are these are some of our best. Here you go. And it's definitely what it is. I mean, Oscar Isaac did fantastic in his role as uh, Duke Leto. Uh, Jason Momoa was 
basically the same character he always plays in everything, which I'm just fine with. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I think he did good. Action tough guy. <laughs> exactly. With personality. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what. Take a look. For those of you that want to see what we're talking about and are kind of limited in, in, the, in what he's done in the past, I want you to take this performance and you can compare it against Aquaman and the other stuff, but he didn't have a ton of screen time. Instead, I'd like you to compare it to uh, Stargate Atlantis and uh, tell me what the differences in the performance are. <laughs> Facial hair? No. <laughs> oh. It's basically exactly the same. And that's okay because he does a great job with it. Um, I'll tell you who doesn't just do great, who just does stupendous is Stellan Skarsgård. Yes. Man, that dude can do anything. One of my favorite presentations in this film. So in the first one from the 80s, this character, uh, the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, was an over-the-top character. Oh, yeah. Actually, all the Harkonnens were. They were outlandish, over-the-top, and in that presentation, that was fine. Right. And in this one, it's more like you don't... You don't want to mess with this dude. No. Not because he's crazy, but he's just so intimidating and subtle menace. Yes. Very, very much so. And his character, like I said, it's great in this movie. Yeah. If you didn't know that he was doing that part, you might not recognize it because you did, didn't get a lot of uh, just direct on full, uh, full view of the face. And he had a lot of. Uh, makeup and prosthetic on and so it's just kind of one of those things uh josh brolin you know did good and he didn't have a lot of screen time uh but the screen time he had i mean he's always very good um javier bardem's big name and you know sometimes you have those blink and you miss it characters he's not quite blink and you miss it i mean he has he has a couple scenes but um you you would not be out of place to not realize it was him and because it's not it's a little different than he normally is and not nearly as um strong a performance correct he was of the cast he was in my opinion probably the weakest and you're right you wouldn't have noticed him because a lot of times he has a hood on he's right. got a lot of facial hair and in a lot of his movies you don't necessarily always see him presented with as much facial hair as what he had so his whole head and face was pretty much obscured and one of the points that you had mentioned before off off podcast that we were talking about was kind of how dark it was oh yeah and some of the sequences that he was in was very low lighting so it's very easy to overlook that he was actually in this movie now impossible to overlook was dave batista because even in a great deal of makeup, he looks like him. I don't know how they do it. No matter how much stuff you spackle onto him, he looks like Dave Batista. <laughs> well, he he does. But if you see him in, quote, real life, he always, almost always has some type of facial hair. Right. He wears glasses. He, he is covered in tattoos. And, of course, you never really get that in all of, let's say, the Marvel movies. And, of course, you don't get it in this one because he's got this gigantic suit on. Um, but if you're but used it looks to him, like him. If you're used to him from the wrestling days, which is what a lot of people really are, he looks like he 
basically does or basically did when he was wrestling. A little older, you know. He's got he's got those lines that are showing up that uh, <laughs> indicate he's been around for a little while. That we all get. Um, but we got we got just a tease of his character in this because he's a little bit more intense and menacing, and we only just got a snippet of what his what he's actually going to be about in this movie oh yeah yeah you get to almost see him behead people but they didn't want to have that be on screen because that would have affected the ratings that's correct yeah so you get to almost see it um david das das malican das machine yes das machine oh where's the where's the cork not the cork board but the uh the board that i write down number of times i've massacred a name uh I may not be able to say his name, but his work is undeniable. He is amazing in everything. Well, we actually just talked recently about him as Polka Dot Man. Yeah. And he was great in that movie, too. He was. I just, I, that is a dude that I would love to just get some stories from. And because uh, I, I, I have to believe that he's, he's got some good ones in there. He seems like he's very easy to get along with. But yeah, so I mean, so you got this amazing cast uh, of people, and you know, sorry, some might say that I'm overlooking one, and that being Zendaya, but she's barely in it. I mean, you see glimpses from a vision, so she's in it in that sense, but she's not really interacting at this point. You only really get dialogue at the very end of the film, and her dialogue seems like, "Yeah, you're here, okay." I wouldn't have let you hurt my friends. Yeah, it just... Yeah, she was not... It fell a little flat. Rude. Um, she just wasn't... Good. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I don't... We'll see more of her later on in, in future segments, hopefully. Well, yeah, she's an important character. But in this movie, she was Pretty... 10 minutes, and it was not very exciting i feel like that maybe part of it is just that she didn't have enough time to develop anything so it maybe wouldn't have mattered what she did it would just it would have felt forgettable because she was in there for only a couple of minutes yeah so maybe a a lack of context is what's really making it feel like that but just you know because she is she is a huge name right now and she did such a great job in the spider-man films and i've seen her do good in other stuff it's just I have a feeling she will be good in the sequel, but it's just not enough time to really do anything in this. Correct. Not a lot of investment. Now, we were talking about how dark it was. The The effects on this are so much better than the original film. It sure would have been nice to be able to see them. <laughs> now, I, I will say that overall, the majority of the presentation of the movie is good. bright. Yeah. You're in a bright, sunny desert place, landscape. Of course, you're, you have scenes inside. You have a few scenes from an, another planet that's kind of more wooded and has water and rains and stuff like that. But a lot of it, you get sunny. But, you know, let's think about it. The Harkonnens are a, a dark kind of brooding presentation. Right. So, of course, you're going to get that. Yeah. Um, but the big one that you're talking about is towards the end when they're out in the sand and it's nighttime and they've got to do the little, what do they call it? The sand 
dance or uh, the worm, sand walk or the whatever worm dance whatever it is yeah. so as they're moving across that and then the worm which has been kind of a side focal point in terms of fear yeah. in terms of menace finally makes its presence and you can see the whole worm or can you <laughs> not really <laughs> so i mean we, we got the jaws uh, approach where you just get the little disturbance in the sands like oh that's a big worm and then you, when when the one uh piece of machinery is eaten or more like just kind of falls into its mouth because it doesn't really do much of anything other than just oh i'm coming and then just ah <laughs> It's just like, okay, a little anticlimactic on that one, but all right. But to get the full scope of it, you know, the time that it comes out of the sand, your eye to millions of teeth with the thing, and it is basically pitch dark. That is one of the dumbest things I think I have seen in a presentation for a sci-fi film. Unless it was... Well, you're you're gonna see it, but but not really. You're really gonna see it later on. So it was kind of a, a tease. I've been sitting, maybe sitting for two hours at this point. No more teasing. Get to the friggin' point. Show me the worm, man. <laughs> I mean, geez, oh Pete. Um, and that really so. I, I, the the effects were fine. That costuming was good. Uh, the ships were nice. I really liked the way that the dragonfly approach worked that was very well done those are pretty cool um the way that they talked about that and they did that in the original film too talking about the the recycling of the water and and how precious it was and all that sort of stuff that was really good um the designs were solid you every house has a different kind of way that they look and the way that they interact and it's very clear um it's it that is excellent it's just they spent two and a half hours. So you, if you've gotten to this point, odds are good. You have watched this film or you don't care whether you're going to watch this film or not. But the plot is we took over the mines. They sabotaged it. Oh, no, he's lost. We found sand people. That's it. Two and a half hours of that. Well, that's what I'll go back to. In the first movie in the 80s, they went from basically start to, I won't call it finish. They went start to resolution, but not finish. And I think what they're going to do for this one is most likely it's going to be three of these two and a half hour movies. Start, they're going to finish on overtaking, empowering, and then the third one is going to be expanding right expanding that power from just one planet to the whole empire and challenging the emperor i think that's what's going to play out in terms of these movies but you're right this first one seems there was no climax it was anticlimactic it was just we got we're like it's all this anticipation of something like if you've seen the first one it's like okay man he's gonna come to he's gonna come to the people the people are going to show him the ways they're going to he's going to elevate his status he's going to train he's going to be a better person he's going to lead the nope it's (laughs) done just when it looks like something is going to happen roll credits (laughs) and the thing that bugs me 
um, is Warner Brothers' lack of faith in this movie in that they filmed this one, and that is it. Yeah. So, if you... Now, The Lord of the Rings is a hard thing to compare. Right. Like, it really is. They had a lot of money, people... They knew they had a hit on their hands before anything, before it even started, they knew what was going to go on. So they bankrolled the whole three films because they needed to be told in three films. So they filmed them all back to back to back, like one big film sequence. And this one, they did this one. They did this film. Let's see what's going to happen. Let's see what's going to happen. So everybody's attitude, everybody's presentation, the character that they were in is going to be different from the character that they're going to present three years later when they're done filming it. And I'm just wondering how that continuity is going to work out. Like, hey, will they do part two and three simultaneously and just be done with it? Or are they going to do it again where they break it up and then they film the other one years later? I'm concerned. Yeah, and and, and in a certain respect, I can kind of understand it. I mean, especially in the climate that we're in, with everything that's been happening in the industry and in the world, maybe they were just concerned. I mean, this is this is a different time to be taking a big risk on a film that it's not like it has the same kind of following that like Star Wars or Star Trek or certain other sci-fi properties have. It's not to say it doesn't have a following because it absolutely does, but it's not that level of sure thing. So if you're going to commit the resources that you need to make it look and work the way that you want, that's a lot of commitment if you're going to do three films at the same time. And the budget for this one was substantial, right? $165 million, something like that. So there's a lot of money that they put into this. So you're right, uh, especially with Warner Now, I guess I'm lucky, we're lucky, in the sense that Warner Brothers decided to stuff all their things on HBO Max for this year. And I'll be honest, I watch HBO Max more than really any of the other streaming services by far. There's more content, there's more movies, and, and part of that is skewed because they are putting awesome movies like this on every single month. You know, in December, we're going to have the Matrix movies that we can sit and watch. I'm uh, looking forward to that one. I have I was looking forward to watching this one uh, because it's on HBO Max. I've watched it twice already. So I don't have to worry about going somewhere to uh, to a theater and planning around it. Oh, I've got 3.30. Let's see if I can make it. And during the week, it's not going to start past 7, if that, because it's such a stinking long movie. So I'm spoiled a bit in that sense, but I really do enjoy the fact that at least this one is on HBO Max and I have the opportunity to watch it whenever I want to watch it, however I want to watch it. Um, and I have a feeling that we're going to go back to more. I mean, you've seen some movies recently in in the theaters. We'll be back to that yeah. here soon. It's just a matter of time. But I will say... Um, if you have the opportunity or you're willing and you have the money or you have the means to do it, there's a lot of good things that are on HBO Max. And they just did, there's there's a new um, the Justice, Young Justice. Mm. There's a new season of that that's out. Uh, there's always movies. There's all the old stuff like the Sopranos and Six Feet Under, all those cool things. So there's a lot of good stuff on there. And if you have HBO Max and you haven't watched this movie, 
and you like sci-fi, there's there's no reason. I would definitely watch this movie. And if you oh, have yeah. the twelve bucks and you're you're down with going to theaters and you like sci-fi, absolutely take your time and money and go watch this movie. Yeah, I, I have to agree. As much as I made fun of it for a handful of things, it's it's a really good film. It the biggest issue is I'll always criticize films that don't give enough time to develop the story and to develop the characters. And that is not what happened in this. They definitely did some character development and some world building. They just, that's, that's all they did. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. So if you, if you think about it, all of those awesome, awesome uh, movies that are out there, but then there's, there's going to be a Lord of the Rings um, TV series on which one is Amazon, right? right? Right. So they put tons of money. I don't know how much money, but it's the most expensive show ever put on. So if if they did Dune as a show that was like ten one hour episodes, it would have been awesome. Yeah. It would have been just as awesome, oh, if yeah. not better but that's a lot of money and that's a lot of effort to put into something that you're just going to have streaming and not in the theater so now before get it before we score i forgot there's one more thing that must be nitpicked and we talked about this outside of the podcast and i i don't want to forget this because this is really important this is high sci-fi fantasy here they have spaceships they have faster than night travel that runs on shrooms basically shrooms that grow in the desert sure okay They've got people with telepathic abilities and uh, the ability to see the future and to command others to do things. And obviously telekinesis with maybe the assistance of a weird robotic spine thing, you know, depending upon, you know, how they decide that they're going to have the uh, Vladimir uh, be able to do what he does. So through all of this and through the one or two battle sequences that we get, why are there no guns? Just, just zero guns. There's obviously lasers. They cut through stone. And yeah, they've got personal shields. And uh, they say, well, it's because the personal shield would take care of it. It can't take care of a dart. That's a special dart. Uh, sure. You know, then they can't have a special laser. Now, uh, I'm not buying it. Not sold. That's just lazy. Well, they did have a laser. If you remember, they had, uh, after Duncan closed the, the thing and then the bad guys were coming yeah they, they had were a laser cut through but it wasn't a weapon it was a tool there were no weapons that you know fired lasers or bullets or grenades or anything yes there were so in the harkonnens they had the harvesters they launched the little um rocket thingies off the top yeah but that was that's like ordnance that's not i'm talking about personal i've got a firearm everybody has a sword which as you mentioned was also inconsistent on how it worked with the shields. You know, if it's really fast, it won't get through. But if it's slow or we just need it to, <laughs> it'll get through just fine. Now, what what were... So the Fremen used swords also. Knives, yes. actually. Yeah. More so. They were more stealthy. When they were showing them kind of hijacking the Harkonnen harvesters... Were they using guns then? I can't remember. I don't remember seeing any guns. They're hiding in the hiding in the in the shadows a little bit, and then they were getting exploded by the ordnance. Yeah, no. I, all I remember is them hiding, coming out of sand several times, lots of knives, and 
oh no, they're far away and boom. But how, but you're right. The shields, if you go fat, like it, they even made a specific point to explain the shields yes. when he tapped the shields and then went really slow through the shields. But every sequence that you ever saw with them fighting with these special swords and techniques was just them hacking and slashing away. So how are they able to penetrate the shields? They weren't going slow. I just, I don't understand. And even without all that, even if you get past that whole thing. So the part where Oscar Isaac's character was incapacitated by the dart that kept going Mm -hmm. because that's how science works. Sure. Fine. The dart that kept going, he had discovered the body of uh, the 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 uh, clean cleaning lady, basically the space cleaning lady, that uh, that had been stabbed. And I understand you're going to be a little shaken when your shields are being slowly penetrated. I mean, really slowly penetrated by this dart. Take the knife, flick it off your back. Duncan did that, right? It just it made me want to smack my head against the uh, against the counter a couple of times. Just some of these just really weird decisions. Uh, sometimes just a single line of dialogue, a, a little bit of ex, exposition would be more than enough to help me let go of that. Just explain to me why this makes sense, please. Just two and a half hours to throw in a thirty second snippet of why. No guns. Right. Take out three sections of them walking across the sand. It'll be fine. There's plenty of sand. I've never liked it anyway. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. <laughs> but it's got but it's got the spice, man. Yeah. Spice. Oh, fun. But, you know, all in all, like I said, those are mostly nitpicky stuff. The the film was actually really quite good. Um out of your one to a hundred, Richard, what would you have uh, given this as a score? I think I positioned this at an eighty-four, which is solid. That's uh, that's a good score. I'm not quite as enamored with it. Uh, it's not one of those things that I would watch twice because I don't have a full five hours to pledge to that. But it is enjoyable, and I definitely don't feel like I wasted my time watching it the first time and I would have recommended others. So that's like a 78. That's still like a C. It's a solid film. Yeah. I, for some reason recently I've been in more of the sci-fi mood. So this movie came at just the right time to kind of fill that void, fill that, that niche for that type of movie. Sometimes that's all you need. Uh, seeing it at the right time. I mean, maybe that's why somebody can see a classic film that is maybe one of the best ever made with fantastic sword fighting and fantasy elements and comedy and then still not like it because maybe they just didn't see it at the right time. Um, that one would probably be a 54. <laughs> There's something wrong with you. I, I, I don't know. He's broken folks that's that's all i'm saying but what do you think we love to hear what you have to say you know how to find us on social media to let us know we're at real pudding guys on twitter and on instagram and facebook we are pudding guys yeah not too hard we'd love to get your opinions on things uh and if you feel like supporting us in our ever evolving quest to give you more content and more stuff we are also at pudding guys on patreon where for just a dollar per month you can help support us 
and help us buy new equipment, sound better, do new things. We're going to be putting a new studio together here shortly. It's going to be so cool. And I cannot I cannot wait to unveil that to every, everybody rather than this kind of sound boothy area. I know things change pretty regularly for us as we experiment and try and make things just a little bit better. Show us that you're alive by sending a tweet or an Instagram comment on something about what movie we're talking about that I would rate a 54. Yeah, I, I, that would be very interesting. I think that would be fun. But until next time, keep watching that sci-fi. Watch the fantasy. Watch some comedies. Help to escape some of the awful things that happen in your life or even just the humdrum stuff. Share the joy with your friends and family and then come back and listen to us talk about it. 